mini-series called Creating the Right Atmosphere. Creating the right atmosphere in our lives is extremely important. In our home, in our walk with God. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've heard this statement. You know, when I walked into Heart of the Bay, I just felt the love of God. When I walked into this church, I just sensed His presence so much. And you know, you have a lot to do with people feeling the love of God here. Because the love of God is on the inside of you. And that's a testament to the fact that you love God. And that people feel welcome here. They feel the warmth of the Holy Spirit here. It is a wonderful, awesome thing to feel the love of God. But have you ever walked into a home where perhaps there was an argument before you got there? And uh, strife was just so thick in the atmosphere of that home that you could almost cut it with a knife. You know, maybe you've experienced that in your home. You had an argument with your mate or an argument with one of your children. How many of you know that that kind of atmosphere needs to be driven out quickly before it can take root? Amen? Now, you're not looking at a perfect pastor. Of course, Brenda and I have, have had arguments over the course of our life and over the course of our marriage. And it's normally because she's right and I'm wrong. But anyway... <clears throat> But one thing that we have done and tried to do is to not allow the sun to go down upon our wrath. In other words, before nightfall, take care of it. Now, why is that? Because there's a thief out there. And he comes to rob and to steal and to kill and to destroy. And we must not not only give him any place, but once we have given him place, stop him right there. Do whatever we need to do. Make the adjustments, amen. And if that means admitting you were wrong, or if that means, you know, we're going to choose to be not agree, yet we're not going to be disagreeable. How many of you know you can disagree without being disagreeable? And so I don't know why I got off on all that, but it's good anyway. So atmosphere is extremely important. You know, perhaps you've been around a person that was having... Uh, panic attacks or a lot of anxiety in their life. The atmosphere is, is charged with that. But again, as peacemakers, again, as people that are blessed, we can go into that situation and there can be a shifting even in that kind of atmosphere in their life. Or maybe you've been around a person that was sad and depressed. You know, the worst thing we can do when a person is sad or depressed is get the violins out. Now, we don't want to be condescending, and we never want to have an air of superiority about us, saying things like, well, if your faith was here, you wouldn't be there. No, that's not going to help anybody. I'll tell you what helps people, the love of God. Say with me, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And so I, I looked up the word atmosphere, and the word atmosphere <clears throat> basically means this, the pervading tone or mood of a place. It has to do with environment. It has to do with tone. It has to do with what manner of spirit we are. What kind of spirit are we yielding to? Are we yielding to the Holy Spirit? 
Or are we yielding to the spirit of this world? Are we yielding to the spirit of faith? Or are we yielding to the spirit of fear? Whatever we yield to, we set the environment for in our lives. Amen? And so in this series, and we're not going to be able, excuse me, to go through the whole of it today. But in this series, we're going to look at different things that we can do to create the right atmosphere. We must first and foremost recognize the part that we play. I got to say this. The enemy does not, I repeat, does not create our atmosphere. Even though he is the prince of the power of the air, even though he is the small g, God of this world, he's not our God. I said, he's not our God. We've got a new king. We're in a new family. We're living in the world, but say it with me. Let's do a little bit better. We're living in the world, but we're not of the world. That means that we are not under the dictates of this world's system. The world does not set the tone for our lives. Jesus has set the tone for our lives. And that, my friends, is good news. Now, how many of you remember David? You know, David... He experienced a lot of trouble. And his main trouble was with King Saul. King Saul was so very jealous of David that he sought to kill him. And so David was on the run. He even went before King Abimelech. I think he got captured by him. And he pretended to be insane so that they would let him go. I mean, he was experiencing troubles to the point where he was so on the run that he ended up living in a cave. I mean, that would be tantamount to us living under a bridge. No one wants to live in a cave. No one wants to live under a bridge. So I want to pick this up in Psalm 34, and I'm going to be looking at the NLT this morning in verse 1. He said, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Amen. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Now the King James Version says, Let us magnify the Lord together. Amen. Verse 4 says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Verse 5, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. Oh, I like that, don't you? You see, when we look to him, when we live for him, his presence impacts us so much that you and I can become radiant with joy. In other words, we can get to a, such a place that we begin to shine with his presence. And I like what the psalmist said. He said, thou wilt show me the path of life because in your presence there is fullness of joy and there are pleasures forevermore. Say it with me, in the presence of God, the presence of God. there's fullness of joy. 
one translation says, in your presence there is abundant joy. Now notice this verse. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. Now those who look away from him and look to other things for help will not be radiant with joy. Instead of shining bright, they become dull and they become duller and life becomes darker. And that's why it tells us that we are to keep our eyes on Jesus and we are, we are to look unto him from whence cometh our help. Now, I like what Young's literal translation says. Young says this, They looked expectantly unto him and they became bright and their faces were not ashamed. What kind of a look should we be looking to him with? with an expectant look. Those who looked to him became very bright and their faces were not ashamed. Now notice verse 6 in Psalm 34. He says, In my desperation I prayed and the Lord listened and he saved me from one third of my troubles. Can't fool you. Verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Did you know that? And he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. What a great word. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to their rescue every time. So what is this saying to us? What this is saying to us is when we absolutely magnify the Lord, He will deliver us from all fears. He will rescue us. He will restore us. He will protect us. And He will give us joy. You like that? I like it so much, I'm going to take a drink. But think about this just for a moment. Think about David's stance. Think about David's posture. Think about David's attitude. David had everything to do with shifting the atmosphere of being sad and hiding in a cave to being a man of high praise that gave glory to God. Now listen to this statement. David is saying, I may not be where I want to be. But I'm going to praise him and magnify him at all times. And you know, that's a good word for us. How many of you would like to be in other places, maybe in the area of your finances? Maybe you'd like to be in a different place in the area of your physical being. Or maybe you'd like to have deeper and greater relationships. And those are good and godly goals. But in spite of where we are, we must continuously magnify the Lord. Because as we magnify Him, the problem shrinks and the answer gets bigger. It's not that God is getting any bigger. What's happening is our understanding and our view of God is getting bigger when we magnify Him. So David says, okay, I'm in this cave. Things don't look good, but I tell you one thing I will do. I'm going to magnify the Lord. Amen? In the good, in the bad, and in the ugly, I'm going to magnify Him. Come on, somebody. You see, the truth is this. Whatever we magnify 
and glorify we give place to in our life. Whatever we magnify, we give place to in our life. So what do you say? Let's magnify the Lord. What do you say? We allow our insides to become larger and bigger place for God to work. I like Psalm 69 verse 30. Read it with me. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him. Okay, about 10 seconds of giving God praise. Come on, guys. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So number one, praise and worship will create the right atmosphere for our lives. David shifted his atmosphere with praise. And you know what? You can do the same exact thing. You know, yesterday I went to the Vikings 49ers game. And, uh, you know, I got up in the morning and I thought, man, I can't, you know, I cannot not go watch my purple people eaters. <laughs> and that's the Minnesota Vikings. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I text a few friends. I text Mark Hankins and Mac Hammond. Took a picture of the field and when they were warming up. And, uh, and I said, uh, you know, I'm in a straight betwixt two. You know, I don't know whether to cheer for the 49ers or cheer for the Vikings. One thing I found out quite quickly, that it was a good thing I did not wear Vikings gear. <laughs> it was a really good thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was enjoying myself and, and I was, you know, I was kind of into it and everything. But, you know, the longer the day got, the drunker the people got. Yeah. You know, and, and the atmosphere got just a little bit overly loaded. I mean, they weren't loaded with the goodness of God. They were loaded with another spirit. And so, therefore, the atmosphere on my row was quite heavy. And this one guy next to me, and he was a nice guy. I'm not judging him or anything. You know, I was friendly to him and everything. But he got so friendly that, you know, at the end of the game, he had his arm around me. And he, 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 he was slurring his words and... You know, telling me all about the Niners like I'd never seen a game before. Is this your first game? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's my first and last game with you, right? <laughs> so, so you know, about eight minutes left. It was obvious the Vi Vikings were going to lose. It was twenty-seven to ten, something like that. Eight minutes left, and he had his arm around me. He says, "You know, I've got to go to the restroom." <laughs> so I said. Went to the restroom, but I didn't come back. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so, you know, that it was fun and all those things. But, you know, I got in my car and I headed down 237 or whatever that is, back to 880 North. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere shifted. It was quiet. The presence of the Lord filled my car. I got home to Union City where we live and I walked in the house. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. Such a peaceful habitation. Such a wonderful atmosphere to live in. The house was quiet. And it was just so very peaceful. What happened? The atmosphere shifted. Because I went from one atmosphere to another atmosphere. 
Now, you see, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. Many of you work out there in the world. It may not be as dramatic as some drunk guy with his arm around you, but you could be having some drama on the job. But what I want you to see is you carry peace with you. You carry God with you. You carry the glory with you. Amen. And so I said all that to say this, that through praise and worship, and and this is now, guys, this is a lifestyle. This isn't just something we do because Pastor Tom leads us to do this, you know, on Sunday morning. You know, I heard years ago, and I'm not trying to be a wise guy or anything like that. You know my heart. But I heard years ago, well, you know, I can hardly wait this kind of thought. I can hardly wait till Sunday to get my praise on. Well, I'm thinking, what have you been doing all week? Right? I don't mean to be a wise guy. But understand this, that the Bible tells us not to get our praise on, but the Bible tells us to put on the garment of praise. There's a difference between putting it on and getting it on. Because if you've already got it on, you don't have to get it on. Because you're living in the presence of God. You're living in the high praises of God. Amen. So don't misunderstand me. I know we go through difficult times. I know sometimes we forget to praise God. But you know, I just want to remind you today at the top of the year, forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Give him praise. Give him glory from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same. The mighty name of Jesus is to be praised. Ha, ha, ha. Woo. Somebody say, yeah, but I, I, I feel stuck. I, I feel depressed. I feel down. You need to do some shifting. You need to do some shifting. You need to drive that atmosphere out of your soul. Drive that atmosphere out of your family. Drive that atmosphere out of wherever you are with praise and worship. Because it's so true. When we live that kind of a lifestyle, we dispel the oppressive atmosphere of the enemy. You do know that this world is charged with the spirit of fear. This world is charged with the demonic spirits. But I thank God they that are with us are more than they that be with them. So Father, I pray that you will open our eyes to see what you're doing, to know what you're doing, to see the goodness of God in our lives and not get down and not be sad, but dispel the oppression of the enemy. In Psalms 9, in the the Passion Translation, it says this, Lord, I will worship you with what kind of hands? With extended hands. And my whole heart explodes with praise. You like that? I will tell everyone everywhere about your wonderful works and how your marvelous miracles exceed expectations. Listen to this. I will jump for joy. I will shout in triumph. Well, you're not jumping very high, Pastor. Well, you're not jumping at all. (laughs) I will jump for joy and shout in triumph. And I will sing your song and make music for the Most High God. Now notice this. For when you appear, I worship while all my enemies run in retreat. 
So while you're jumping and while you're shouting, the enemy's running. He's retreating. Well, we do that in church. You can do that in your living room. Psalm says this. The King James says, When my enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at the presence of God. Friends, praise brings presence, which causes the enemy to fall and perish. I like that phrase, to fall and perish. In other words, he may not expect it this week, but you're going to take this message and you're going to act on it on Monday morning. You're going to lift up the Lord with extended hands. You may even do some jumping and shouting. He's not expecting that because perhaps he's not heard that before in your home. But I tell you what, when he does, it's going to trip him up. I tell you, it's going to trip him up. He's going to run. He's going to fall. And he'll say, what in the world is this? What's going on here? I tell you what's going on in here. The high praises of God are going on in here. So let that be your commitment. Let that be your your one of, if you will, let it be one of your resolutions. Be resolute that we're not going to have the kind of atmosphere in our lives that we did last year. We're going to have a new atmosphere because there's a new song in my heart. There's a garment of praise on me now. Somebody shout about five seconds with me. Hallelujah. I will dance like David danced. I will shout like David shouted. I will sing like David sang. See, David, he opened the door for God to invade his life. Listen to this statement. Praise brings him on the scene. And when he comes on the scene of your life, he then begins to change the scenery of your life. In other words, what you're seeing, what you're experiencing is your scenery. But when you lift him up and you praise him, he comes on the scene. And when he comes on the scene, things change. I tell you, when he comes on the scene, bodies change, minds change, relationships change. Amen. I'm doing my best to encourage you. I could use a little help in the house today. <laughs> Woo. Psalm 22, verse 3. Listen to this. But you are holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. Have you discovered that you are the Israel of God? The church is. And so he inhabits the praises of people. The voice translation says, still you are holy. And I love this. You make your home on the praises of Israel. When someone comes to abide and live and make their home somewhere, that means they're comfortable. And the comforter is comfortable in an atmosphere of praise. He inhabits. He settles down in. He sits in. He dwells in. The praises of his people. Amen? Amen. The passion says this. Yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You are God enthroned. Surrounded with songs. 
living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. Look at that. You're enthroned, surrounded with songs. He lives among the shouts and praise of his people. Hallelujah. He makes his home there. So here's what we need to do. We need to do as, this, as Psalms 24 says us, tells us to do. In Psalm 24, verse 7 through 10, it says, So lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the king of sadness shall come in. And the king of depression shall be enthroned on your heart. No, the king of glory. Come on now. The king of glory shall come in. But he's not going to come in until there's a lifting up of your gate. Verse 8. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. I'm telling you, he's mighty. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and lift you up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? He is the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Lifting up your heads was a figure of speech for rejoicing and praise. This is what they would do in ancient times in the city when a king would return from winning a battle or when a king would return from visiting another country. He would come in at the gates with a triumphal entrance. And the people of the city would stand and gather with great expectancy. And when they would see the king coming in from afar, they would not only lift up the natural gates, but they would lift up their hearts, the living gates. Come on, somebody. They would lift up their heads. They would lift up their hearts, and they would rejoice and praise, and the king would come in. And the same thing happens to you. And the same thing happens to me. How many of you know the king has already come? And the king is coming soon and very soon. So let us lift up the gates of our heart. And let us lift up our voice. And let us lift up our heads. And let's allow the king of glory. Whew, hallelujah. Go ahead and lift up your hands. Say, oh, I praise you, king of glory. I invite you now to come in and whatever battle I face, I thank you that I can make place for the King of glory. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the longer I preach this morning, the happier I get. You know why I'm happy? Because you're getting it. You're getting it. This is getting in your heart. This is becoming a way of life for us. Hallelujah. It's becoming a way of life for us. We're cultivating a lifestyle of praise. We're cultivating a lifestyle of worship. Amen. You see, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is what David did to shift his atmosphere. You know, there was another guy, another two guys by the name of Paul and Silas. They were so on assignment and so focused 
that as they walked about and taught and preached the word of God, there was a little girl with a spirit of divination that followed them for many days. And she would say, these are servants of the Most High God. See, she was saying the right thing, but she was saying it with the wrong spirit. How many of you know the spirit of man reveals what's in man? And so this lady wasn't yielding to the Holy Spirit. She was yielding to a demonic spirit. And you know that can happen in church? You know, people can think that they're praising God. They can think that they're yielding to the Holy Spirit. But really, they're not yielding to the Holy Spirit. They're yielding to a wrong spirit. That doesn't mean that they're, they have an evil spirit. But what that means, they're yielding to a wrong spirit. Amen. So anyway, after she did this, the Bible says, for many days. And finally... Paul got grieved in his spirit. How many of you know there comes a day where you get grieved in your spirit? You know, there's a time to deal with things and there's a time not to deal with things. I've learned that as a pastor. There's a right time and there's a wrong time. But evidently the time came. The time came. And Paul being grieved in his spirit turned around and cast the devil out of her. Amen. It's a good thing when the devil leaves. Especially a church service. Amen. And of course, this young girl was just a tool of the enemy. She had a spirit of divination, a spirit of soothsaying, a spirit of fortune telling. And the Bible says she brought her masters much, great, much gain by that. In other words, there was dinero that she was bringing in because she was yielding to the wrong spirit. And so they didn't like that. How many of you know that the love of money is the root of all evil? They could care less about that young girl. All they wanted was her money. And boy, you could go a lot of places with that. Mm. Jesus. Think about all those sex traffickers out there. God have mercy. I pray for an invasion of the presence of God and the glory of God into the lives of those women, into those lives of those young women, into their lives in the name of Jesus. Lord, we loose the ministering spirits right now to apprehend those traffickers in the name of Jesus. Devil, you take your hands off of those situations. We claim, we claim deliverance and freedom. Oh, God, have mercy in the name of Jesus. Those are things to be prayed about. Christine Kane has got a great ministry to those that have been bound by that. We've supported her in the past. We'll support her in the future. Anyway, she brought her masters much gain by Susain. And they got so upset that everyone got stirred up. And so they took Paul and Silas and they beat him. They beat him so bad that they probably couldn't hardly recognize their back. They were beaten. And then they were put in jail. And they were put in stocks. What an opportunity for Paul and Silas to become depressed. What an opportunity for them to magnify the problem. You know, Paul could have looked over at Silas and said, Silas, 
Man, we've been out serving God all these years, and this is what we get for it. And Silas said, yeah, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. As soon as I get out of here, if I get out of here, I'm going back to what I was doing. But they didn't do that. Paul and Silas had a different spirit about them. They had the spirit of faith. Instead of yielding to the atmosphere which could have brought doom and destruction, they yielded to another atmosphere. Come on, somebody. I said, come on, somebody. And notice with me, and and I'll just read it to you in Acts 25 and verse 26. And at midnight, Paul and Silas, what did they do? Now understand this, this is a side point. They did not wait till the midnight hour to be prayed up. They were prayed up before they were put in jail. They lived a lifestyle of prayer. Otherwise, they never would have prayed in that setting. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. But Raul, they didn't just pray. What else did they do? What else did they do, church? They prayed and. They prayed and. And. They sang sang praises to God. Well, I've got a silent prayer. Well, the prisoners will never hear you. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly. Come on. Suddenly. There was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison was shaken. The environment and the atmosphere shifted. And immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bands were loosed. Paul and Silas lifted up their gates. And the king of glory came in. And opened up the prison gates. You know they had a choice. Just like you have a choice. They made the right choice. They shifted the atmosphere. They created the right atmosphere for their deliverance. So I want to encourage you. Do less complaining and more praising. Do less whining and more worshiping. I want to encourage you to cultivate the presence of God. Your faith and my faith will never be complete without praise. We are in 2020 to lift up our praises to Him. How many of you know this is not a church thing? This is a Bible thing. You can do this in the laundry room. You can do this in your car. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, hold it just a minute. Wait, time out. I just got a letter saying I'm going to be put out of my house. Doctors came back with a bad report. I got one question for you. I learned this from Lily, and I learned this from Mabel, and I learned it from Creflo A. Dollar. I got a question for you. Can you say hallelujah anyhow? Can you say hallelujah anyhow? 
I think of Pauline, who lived over a hundred years old. She faced a lot of tests. She faced a lot of trials. She faced a lot of potential misses. But she turned to God in the middle of their midnight hour and praised God. And she lived with a message. Can you say, hallelujah, anyhow, in everything, give thanks. Can you say it? And then Creflo started singing this song, Hallelujah Anyhow. Never, never let your problems get you down. Oh, when life's problems come your way, hold your head up and say, Hallelujah Anyhow. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah Anyhow. Don't let your troubles get you down. Satan may try to block your way, but you lift up your gates and say... Hallelujah. Anyhow. <laughs> you know what I'm believing God for? I'm believing God for a church that does the word. I'm believing God for a praising church that'll praise themselves right through the fiery tests of life. Amen. Even though you may be going through the valley of the shadow of death, you're still lifting up your gates. You're still lifting up the name of Jesus. We're not talking about being secret Christians here. I tell you, he deserves our praise both privately and publicly. People ought to know that you're a born-again Christian. They ought to hear praise coming out of your mouth. Come on, let's stand up and give him some glory.